Hello, hello. Welcome back to Sounding Off. I am Perry Johnson here with Dr. Courtney Cox, and we are super excited to be joined today by DJ Heat, the official DJ for the WNBA's Washington Mystics, the NBA's Washington Wizards, a staple on Baltimore's legendary hip-hop and R&B radio station 92QFM, and a self-proclaimed sonic savant who has entertained and energized audiences for more than two decades. We are so grateful to have this space and time with you today. DJ Heat, thank you so much for being here. Thank y'all so much for having me. That was such a cool intro. I was like, yes, all right. We do what we can, you know? (laughs) How would you, you know, one of the things about this project is very firmly located at the intersection of music and sport. And so we ask everyone, how would you describe the relationship between music and sport in your life? Or put another way, what does sport sound like to you? Oh man, the relationship with music and sports in my life. I grew up loving music. Like, of course, I, I started, I, I became a DJ when I was 13, just my huge love of music from right there. And even sports, I was collecting sports cards. I was that kid, I had baseball cards, football cards, basketball cards, everything. And I just really loved sports, watching sports on Saturdays on, on, on TV and, and everything, you know, like NBA inside stuff on Saturday mornings and all of that. So that's how it, intersects with me because that's just been my two biggest loves growing up what does music and sports sound like I think I think even where I grew up it was all about music and sports because those are like two of the things that really bring people together you know going to high school games and having bands there with, with the music and, and everything going on or, you know, school talent shows make some of that falling on the same day. Hey, we're going to hit up this talent show. Then there's a game. So that's, that's just it with me. <laughs> you, you said that you started DJing at 13, which is incredible. Like, how did you, first of all, like, I don't, what was I doing at 13? I definitely not that, like, I definitely did not have it together. Like talk, talk to me about like this, this kind of early moment of like sport is already there in your life, obviously, but like, what is this early DJ moment like for you? Like, what are you playing at 13? Like what's resonating with you? How did you really like get started at that level, at that age? Like that's, we talked to a lot of DJs. That's like a new one for us, for sure. It's, it's funny, you know, like the, the movie Brown Sugar, when they say when you fall, first fall in love with hip hop. Yeah. I know when I first fell in love with hip hop, it was when I was in sixth grade and I, I came in class and I'm showing my age. So the students were passing around uh, a tape by the DOC. And so I was like, who is the DOC? And they looked at me like I was crazy. Like, you don't know who the DOC is? And then they asked, they started naming other rappers, like, do you know who NWA is? And so I'm like, no. And they're like, what? So I felt bad. I went home um, after school that day and started watching The Box and BET and just emerging myself in all these, because, you know, hip hop and gangster rap was big in that in that era. And I was like, yo, okay, I, I love these rappers y'all talking about. Like I started NWA and Ice Cube, they, they became my faves to listen to and even listening to the radio a lot. So when it comes to DJing though, the song that made me want to be a DJ, and it sounds funny when I tell it, it's the remix of Rex and Effect Rump Shaker. The Rump Shaker remix had a DJ scratching on it. And I was just so intrigued and into that part of the remix that I started doing like, air DJing every time I heard that part come on. And I was like, 
I really want to be a DJ because this sounds so cool what this DJ is doing on this remix. So I saved up all my money. I got my first summer job when I was 13. DC has a uh, summer youth employment program and you had to be 13 at the time to sign up. So 13 signed up and I told myself with this summer job, I'm going to save every paycheck and buy some turntables. Like I, I was a reader of the Source magazine and they had all the types of ads in there where you could buy DJ equipment. So there was this DJ starter package that was $299.95. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm going to save up all my money. And I called them. I was like, okay, well, how much is it with tax? So I make sure I had it down to the penny. Like how much is it with tax and the shipping? And I found out the price and I had it written down like, all right, this is how much I need to save to, again, about to show my age so I could get the money order send it in the mail, then wait six to eight weeks for my DJ equipment to come in the mail. <laughs> and that's how I started, man. The stuff I was playing, I was, thank you to my parents, my mom for encouraging me and supporting me as a DJ. She would take me to the record shops when I had my money and I would buy records here and there when I could. So I was just playing all the, and that was a great era, you know, 93 on up. So that nineties era music, of, of buying records back then like I, I still have all my records and it. it's some classics <laughs> I love that because in my mind I'm imagining you first of all doing the math <laughs> like okay you're saying 299 let me add tax let me add shipping what's the time mm -hmm. frame when am I going to get this like this this reverse engineering you're doing I again I'm I don't know what I was doing at 13, but I, I probably just was out in the streets needing to be home by the time the lights came on. So I'm so impressed by not only that early work ethic, but also like seeing, hearing, being involved in the media around hip hop and saying, I need to be involved in this. I want to be not only in this space, but in this way. Um, so I just shout out to 13 year old you for just knowing, just having that insight. Um, <laughs> so you. I, I, I want to think about like you at that age as well, because you're also a vet in the world of DC professional basketball as well. So you went from being Mystics ball girl during the team's very first season to maintaining a Mystics fan site in college. So again, this media piece is coming back in at Morgan State. And now entertaining the crowd, like 20 years after that first gig. And, and if we go back even further, like thinking about what you were thinking about when you were 13. So what was it about the arena as a space? If we think about music first and then thinking about basketball, um, that really stuck with you as the place that you want it to be. I don't know. I just, I just love DC sports. I, I grew up as a fan of, of all DC sports. So like you said, we're, we're starting out as being the ball girl. And I just always wanted to be involved with the DC sports scene <laughs> any way that I could because I, I just loved it. I, I was, you know, lucky enough to do some events here and there for the Washington football team a couple of times and with the Mystics and, and being back with them the 20th anniversary season, it's <laughs> it's wild. It, it's weird. Like, I'm thinking back, like, do I even remember music when I was a ball girl in the arena? I think I was yeah. just so entrenched in the moment mm -hmm. <laughs> of, of being there in the arena and, and getting to see stars. Like, I get to see Don Staley. I get to see Cheryl Swoops. So I was just, <laughs> you know, in, just engulfed in that. Yeah. What a time. What a time. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what, what, what a time. Like, that's that's that era right there is like, yeah. 
I love how things have come come full circle in so many ways. It's like the way that your stars align sometimes and you can't plan for it, right? You wouldn't know that starting as a ball girl that you would end up back in that right. space. And you carry that history, that meaning, that like embodied knowledge of the space with you, right? You can't, you can't fake that, right? You can't recreate all of those years of experience of loving a team, of loving a city, of loving that arena space. So we hear often about sort of the routine that professional athletes go through on a day-to-day basis before games of stretching, workout, massages, treatments. What does a standard game day look like for you? How do you prepare when you're getting ready pregame? A standard game day for me, um, I like checking my record pools that I'm a member of to see if there's any new remixes of songs that I can use during the game, of course, new releases. Because you know, now when stuff comes out, people, they're already playing it 5 million times after it's been out for an hour. So I even check the, the social media pages of the players for the team to see, because you know, a lot of players like to post what they're listening to. So I see if a player has posted songs that they like, I'll go through that. Um, of course, going through the run of show that our game director sends us so I can know to have music for certain points during the game. Like recently we had Pride Night. So, okay, different songs. I'm, I'm gonna play songs by uh, LGBTQ artists. I'm gonna fit this in here, blah, 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 blah. That's pretty much my game day is getting ready for the music. Then I, I try to have a moment where I relax, which is something that I started doing recently now when I get to the arena, because I get to the arena for Wizards games about three and a half hours before um, game time. So I could set up and I have about a good 30 minutes where now I just have my headphones on and I'm just relaxing and calming down because I'm just I'm just an anxious person. I get over anxious for everything. So I was like, let me just have a moment where I just zen out and calm down before game time and, and you know, mentally prepare, go over my run of show again. I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. All right, it's ready. Okay, these songs I'm going to have here. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> I love that. Um, and I, I think I read elsewhere, too, that that you get recommendations from the, the Mystics Ball Girls Now or Ball Boys Now or that they sort of serve as liaisons as bringing you requests or recommendations from players on the team. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit if that's part of the process and, and how, you know, sort of being on the other side now, not being the ball girl, but of being a part of the, the musical structure that um, that is these games, but also if there's a distinct difference for, for that process between the Wizards of the Mystics or the sort of the run of show, the way that that's set up, obviously now in two different two different spaces too, right? Right, right. right. It's, it's definitely different, especially um, because of the pandemic. So one thing that's different with Wizards this season as opposed to last season is when they were doing their shoot arounds before fans would come in, I was right there courtside. So they, they were able to come up to me you know, and say stuff like if they want to hear something. With Mystics, it's the same thing. They'll have me courtside, you know, they want to hear something. But when it's time for them, you know, to come out for game time, that that's when the ball girl, uh, shout out to Lindsay, because I actually know her mom. I know Lindsay, she, she was a kid. So it, it's funny to see now. I was like, oh man, we work together. She would come up to me in the DJ booth and she was like, all right, this is what they want to hear. <laughs> She's like, they want to hear this and that and that and that and I was like okay cool and that became a game time tradition with Mystics games like I was always looking forward to what Lindsay would come over and tell me what they say that they want to hear and it's great because I felt like you know that that got them in the zone of course you know music helps to get the athletes pumped so for that to start during that season where we won the championship (laughs) 
So I'm like, all right, this this, this kind of helps. So it's certain songs that, of course, they really would want to hear <laughs> as we got closer, like towards you know playoffs and finals. Natasha Cloud basically wanted to hear Meek Mill's Dreams and Nightmares every game because it got her pumped up. So I'm like, let's go, let's do it. <laughs> I love that the soundtracks to each season, right? And the importance that that holds, especially when the stakes are high, like a championship season and then how important that comes of sort of creating an audio archive, the memory of that, but also the day-to-day of, of getting hype, right? Of like, we need to be ready, we need to be on it. And this gets me in that headspace to perform at maximum capacity. Um, So I love that. I also love that you've known Lindsay, as you mentioned, as a child, right? I think there's sort of these these familial lineages, right? Or the the way, you know, that it it is really a community. It is a family, right? In these spaces and, and a family, not just to sort of the broader, DC district fandom, but a family within these organizations. And I think that 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 speaks to your ability um, to sort of know players or know cues so well um, in real time Mm -hmm. as part of the game. So on on that note, how much basketball knowledge or basketball intelligence goes into your job? Because when we're thinking about these spaces, obviously there's there's intuition, right? Of being familiar with the game, of being familiar with the players, right? And that's times two, interacting Mm -hmm. with two different teams of having to be on it in order to pivot in real time, to make adjustments, to know when somebody needs something to get hype or when you, you know, like you don't want to play the wrong, <laughs> the wrong song, the wrong moment. So uh-huh. if you can speak a bit to the, to the basketball intelligence or basketball knowledge that, that you bring to the job. Yeah, you definitely have to have a lot of basketball knowledge when it comes to playing music for games. Uh, one example, like, like you did say, you don't want to play the wrong song at, the wrong moment. For instance, if the team is down by, say, a big a big score going into a timeout, you don't want to play, you know, Pharrell because I'm happy. Like, no, we're not happy right now. <laughs> There's no joy here. Nothing <laughs> happy is happening. Right now, we can't play happy. On the flip <laughs> side, if we're up by something big and we want to get the fans still involved, you know, of course you want to play. All right, let's get the fans up and dancing because we're, we're on a streak right now. Even, okay, so since I play the in-game music during the games, like the instrumentals when they're on offense and also the defense prompts when the, when the team is on defense, really got to pay attention to like those fast breaks or, or when the ball is coming down because I don't want to start a track. I'm like, you don't even need this track because they're, they're on a fast break. They're going to score. So it's no need for st- something right here there's something after they score and it's like a real hype play like all right let me be more prepared for what's going to happen after the fast break instead of trying to play something during the fast break because this this you know this play ain't gonna last no more than probably like two three seconds <laughs> so it's, it's definitely is is very very crucial and i i'm glad that i'm i still consider myself you know a, a newbie almost because compared to other DJs in the leagues, they've been around like years and years and years. This is about to be my fifth season with the Mystics and this is my third season with the Wizard. So I, I consider myself always learning. Like I'm always researching more stuff and getting ideas. I'm, I'm, all, I'm always open to what, you know, my game directors and my bosses say to me, I got a cool suggestion today from a game director. I was like, oh my gosh, that's a great idea. Yeah. So yeah, like, why did I think of that? But it, it keeps me on my toes because I always, I tell myself, I'm obsessed with being great. I always want to be greater and better. So I treat 
doing music for the games like after like I like an athlete that looks back like what could I have done here to be better what can I do in the future to make myself better in these games I'm like all right let's get it I feel like also in the world of of music too right it's constantly changing there's constantly new music being dropped right and so it's wanting to to entertain and energize not only the team but a fan base that 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 is a spectrum of ages a spectrum of experiences right that they're bringing into that space and so you want to find stuff that gets everybody hype but also always being sort of hip to what's what's new as you mentioned like researching remixes right is there a reinterpretation of this classic that we could bring into this space um which you know i think uh goes underappreciated sometimes because that is so much work to try and stay on top of it and i know sometimes it's like the deeper you dig in the crates the more you realize how much you don't you don't know just because there's so much and it's yeah. a wonderful it's a wonderful challenge right but it is a challenge of like constantly learning constantly evolving and growing um and not just in terms of like what's what's going to get the right energy or the right mood but also what's going to speak to this team right what's going to speak to the legacy legacy um the history of this franchise so on that note we we think a lot about space and place the relationship between space and place and music sound and sport together um obviously dc the district right you're not just sort of catering to the disc but like the dmv right of, of this sort of larger larger space larger region that has has a history and affinity with the team um, and one way we often reference a, um, a music scholar who's who's coined this term acoustic territory mm. thinking about the acoustics of a specific space and that could be dc mm. or that could be the arena itself right the arena is the specific territory um, and you as an integral part of creating the sound and the soundtrack for that space um, so how do you see or do you see your role um, as an architect or a curator of the wizard sound of the mystic sound in these spaces yeah definitely especially being in like you said a unique area as dc slash the dmv area because you know we have our own mu music genre here called go-go music so i even incorporate go-go music into the games like there's one thing that i could say you're not going to hear go-go music in any other arena from any other teams in the NBA or WNBA, even with uh, some sound effects that I use incorporating, shout out to DJ Cool, legendary DJ. He's from DC. He has a lot of great hype cuts and saying that I use, like that I started using at Mystics Games where I had this effect where, I, where he says, is DC in the house, say what now? And everybody that's from DC knows what to say next. <laughs> because it's such a classic that I don't have to play the rest of DJ Cool saying it. Everybody else is going to finish it because that's a huge DC song. So yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely a part of curating the sound and distinguishing. And I, I try my best as well to also try to distinguish between how a Mystics game would sound like and what a Wizards game would sound like. Because yeah, of course there are going to be some crossover fans, but in reality, it is two different types of demographics. Mystics fans, you know, they have things that they like that, that I know. Uh, the key thing that I tell people that I've noticed, Mystics fans love to clap along. If it's so, they, they will clap the whole time out. So if there's a song that's, that's really rocking and into, that's high energy, they will clap down at times. I'm like, hey, the whole arena just clap. Like, they love to clap here. <laughs> 
So def definitely, like anything that I know that I feel like is gonna make them clap, I'm like, oh, they clapping and they go, they into it, they clapping. <laughs> I love that. I love that, you know, the distinctness of these spaces, but also the energy and the way that that's embodied by fans, right? How they respond to the music um, and that sort of that communal, the, right? They're very much a part of that acoustic territory, right? Of creating that soundscape, which is distinct yes. from these two spaces. Um, I love that. I'm envisioning that. Right. Like, it caught me off guard the first time. I was like, because I, I think I dropped in something new. I was like, y'all clapping along? Yes, yes. <laughs> let's do it. I love it. Let's bring that energy right. together. No, that's so fun. It's so fun. And I think it forms that bond, right? Those sort of uh, unprovoked, spontaneous moments that become become shared. Um, I think they, they strengthen a bond or a collectivity around, right? And then, it, yeah. and then it can become a part of a new tradition, right? Yeah, or something yeah. that's taken up in those spaces. So oh, I think- yeah, Definitely, definitely started some new traditions that I, I noticed from, from the fans. I'm like- uh, this one, there's this one song I started playing uh, during our championship run season, and they just adapted to that song so well that e even my bosses were like, "We got to keep using this song because it's the first time you played it." But it was just the energy of the song, and again, how they was clapping, like, "This is our official hype song now, right here." Yeah. When we're really into it, so boom. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. There, yeah, but that's great though for too, also for fans and, and for audiences to be a part of that process, right? If it's not just a top down, this is what you're listening to, right? It's it's this exchange, this exchange, this call and response that's happening. Yeah. To to form that energy. Um, so I'm really happy you brought up GoGo because we wanted to ask about GoGo specifically. And I know um we've been fortunate last time we were in DC together, Courtney and I got to go see Rare Essence. <laughs> which was amazing um it was at lucky strike it was a peak dc moment it was oh. it was <laughs> it was I, it was surreal to be there because we already got so lucky just to be able to see them while we're there at the time we were both living in la so it was already kind of a hike but wow. it was like a life-changing experience wow. i used to dj at lucky strike too that's funny <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, wow. no, but, no, we felt so fortunate. It worked out timing wise that they were performing. It's also, I mean, go, you, I don't need to tell you this, but for, for listeners who do not know, like experiencing go, go live is a whole other level of just feeling mm -hmm. the percussive be just feeling, feeling it. Um, not just listening to it, although it's super fun to listen to. And I do love go, go. Yeah. Um, so I've, I feel that, yeah, that's one of my favorite, favorite memories in the past few years. Um, wow. I'm glad we got to share that <laughs> together. Yeah, and y'all saw one of the greatest bands ever. So that's even, yeah. <laughs> y'all had a heck of an experience for y'all first one. <laughs> we did it right, for sure. Y'all did, y'all did. I <laughs> Uh, but I know, I mean, GoGo for those, I, I would love for you to speak to GoGo a, a bit for those who are sort of uninitiated, who are not familiar with GoGo um, in, in terms of like the distinctiveness of the sound, the way it is sutured, it is so closely tied to, to DC, to Black DC in particular, to the sort of Black musical histories of DC, um, but also something that I think has come uh, has gained more visibility outside of the DMV in recent years because of the way that it's 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 become sort of the the rallying cry or the soundtrack to gentrification that's yeah, happening yeah. in DC, right? And so the the don't don't mute DC hashtag movement uh, and and hashtag trending out of that, where the policing of sound, you know, in accordance with gentrification, is always often sort of also about the policing of, of bodies or communities in particular ways. So I would love for you to sort of elaborate on on GoGo -Go a bit more. When trying to describe Go-Go to people not from DC, I guess you could say the closest thing probably to it is funk. 
but that's it's, but it's still indescribable. Like you said, you have to be there. Shout out to the Godfather of Go Go, rest in peace, Chuck Brown, who who brought us this sound. It's just the heavy percussion of it, and the call and response, and the reaction to it is it's just so DC. Now that it's getting warm. I tell myself, you already know it's getting warmer in DC because when you're out riding around, you 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 hear the guys blasting go-go music out of their cars and everything. Like, all right, summer is coming. Like, we're, we're getting warm. It's it's such a part of, of DC that you know our G League team is the Capital City Go-Go. <laughs> we have a, a team named after go-go music. We have go-go bands perform at games. You know. I play go-go music. We have uh, our intro for the Wizards is Welcome to DC, a go-go song by the band Mambo Sauce. It's, it's just so embracing of DC. And I mentioned DJ Cool earlier. And I, I think a lot of folks don't realize that DJ Cool is from DC and how big he was for the DC go-go community. Like I say, he has a lot of hits in the go-go community that we still rock today um fast forward to what you said what happened in the last two years dc is rapidly gentrifying uh, when i think it's going to slow down it's happening again i was like hey y'all have moved to this neighborhood now i thought this neighborhood was safe but so there were some residents complaining about music that music that has been playing from certain places for like 20, 30 years, the people coming in gentrifying instead of embracing a city and its culture, you try to get rid of it. So folks in the city was like, nah, shout out to my homie Yadia. He's one of the organizers of the protest that you saw. If you ever saw the, the big video of everybody in the street <laughs> dancing to the go-go's, <laughs> That was him <laughs> that put that together. And I'm, I'm happy that he calls out to me to help spread the word because I was at the very first protest that he did. And I got the word out like, yo, he's about to do a bigger protest and, and, and it spread and it became that one <laughs> that went viral. And it's amazing to see. And what has come from that is people just see a party in the street with the music but he has brought about uh, the issues when it comes to DC statehood, when it comes to voting and getting people registered to vote, new laws that are happening. There was a law that was trying to go into effect to stop like the street performers. Because again, people are coming in and trying to get rid of something that's happened before y'all even moved here. So the laws are changing. There's a new law that's about to go into effect that they're gonna go through again. Uh, and it's all stemmed from go-go music. So it's not just music to us. It's cultural and the music is political, even more political now. <laughs> I feel like, you know, part of this, I'm from Texas. And so in Austin, this is happening as well. Like op mm. 
has been rapidly gentrifying for a long time, but car shows in Texas and Dallas, Austin, Houston, the car show is a sonic event for a variety of reasons. Like musically, the sound of the cars, it's a community, sometimes an organizing space, but it's also a space to like pop your trunk and show your neon. Like it's like yeah, it, there's all these different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And so I see connective, there's a sonic resistance that's happening through GoGo in DC that I also see resonate with what's happening in New Orleans, for example, folks trying to regulate brass bands in the streets like that's not peak New Orleans. Um, so car culture, car music culture in Texas, New Orleans, DC, I'm seeing that, but I'm also, when I'm hearing and listening to you, I'm hearing like this sonic resistance that's happening through organizers, through folks that are um, invested in the music and invested in the city and making sure that the city is not lost. And so mm -hmm. I, I appreciate you talking about not only it is the sound and what sounds are being contested or lost or challenged as not not legible or not important in the city, um, as well as all the folks that are invested in keeping it, invested in making sure that it has that longevity. Because I think there's ways that people will either only hear it as, um, there's a way that people talk about noise, like noise and noise pollution versus, yeah. um, to me, I'm hearing sonic resistance. And so um, there's a way that I think that's really powerful, both, you know, when we think about sports, we talk about sports and resistance in a lot of different ways. But I think that we talk about like streets and thinking about street culture, street music, and, and yeah. whose streets, I guess, is, is the other thing that's also embedded in this question, too. Because um, there's people claiming streets that haven't haven't been there. <laughs> right? Exactly. Like, so the, the place that was under fire um, for the street performers is actually right next to where the Wizards play. So this this area, uh, the Gallery Place Chinatown area, we you know we joke and say it's almost like a mini Times Square, because that's how it was built up. And these street performers, they would be out there, you know, they got they speak, they they trying to make their little money, you know, they don't bother anybody, they they don't harass anybody, they're just out there performing. So you coming in, moving, you you move to mini Times Square, <laughs> and complaining about noise. <laughs> Do you realize where you moved to? <laughs> but one thing, again, another law that has arisen, uh, new apartment buildings, they didn't have no requirements when it came to sound. So they try to put that into law. I mean, which kind of makes sense. I'm like, don't you want to soundproof these places where y'all building them? So now the things are going to pass is to try to make all these, you know, fancy apartments and condos they build in near places like that to make them more soundproof. I'm like, that sounds like that should have been the solution in the first place. So y'all were just throwing them up and knew they had thin walls. And these people, you, you throwing up apartments in the busy neighborhoods with people outside performing. It's like, ah, we ain't gonna make them soundproof. I think this question of sound and place and space is so important. And, and I, I'm glad you brought up the proximity of like some of these neighborhoods in question to the arena because arenas are also gentrifying spaces. Mm -hmm. um, they change the mapping of, of cities and, and the folks that are, are displaced because of arenas and new arenas too. So mm -hmm. I, I also didn't want to, I didn't want to make this just about, about sound and, and like oh, the, that, but there's a way that like music and sport are both also involved in like this larger process of, of who lives in a city, who can afford to live in a city and where they live. And so um, I find that to be like these two things kind of coming together the way that you're describing them in a really, really important way. Um, speaking of place, um, a weird place that you were last summer is in what we are affectionately calling the Wubble. According to DJ City, you had everyone dancing in the Wubble from refs, 
players on opposing teams, fans at home were tweeting in real time, having dance parties in their living rooms. I may or may not have been one of those people. What was that experience like for you, kind of transporting you out of the city, but still trying oh, to get that sound in the Wubble? Oh, man. It, it was a first I want to uh, shout out to Three Point Productions. Uh, they're the ones that reached out to me to be one of the DJs in the Wubble. I met them when I DJed um, at NBA All-Star last year. So, and it came at the right time because, you know, we're in, we're what, probably like three months deep into the pandemic by then. I'm just super like down and depressed. I don't have any gigs going on. I'm like, ah, what's happening? Blah, blah, blah. So it's crazy when they announced that the WNBA season was going to be in Bradenton. I said to myself, I want to DJ this season. I'm like, they're going to need a DJ. I want to, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm like, they going to, I'm, I want to DJ this season in Florida. Again, just, just putting it out there in the universe. Didn't know how it was going to happen. Uh, Three Point Productions reached out to me in June, I believe it was. And they sent emails like, hey, he, we're going to be doing the WNBA season, uh, entertainment and game operations. And we would like you to come down to be one of the DJs. I was like, yes, I like, it, it's happening. Like, this is what I wanted to do. I was like, two weeks later, I was on a plane and, and down there. It happened that fast. So it, it was a wonderful experience, man. Um, one thing with working with Three Point Productions, like they're great. They they do a lot of different sporting events. They they're they're masters. They're professionals at what they do. So one thing that we all agreed upon to try to distinguish things. So they reached out to every team to try to make make sure each team got their true experience for their quote unquote home games. So when it comes to like sound effects and y'all song for this, what y'all song for that, and we were like, okay, let's also tailor it to that city where the team is from. So Atlanta Dream, let's play a lot of Atlanta bids and sound effects and songs, make it sound like Atlanta, New York Liberty, let's play a lot and so on and so forth to, to give it that feel. And oh, I got to shout out the other two DJs as well. Uh, DJ Joe Green, who DJs for the Las Vegas Aces and DJ O that DJs for the Milwaukee Bucks. So. Yeah, we, we were a, a great team down there. And one thing with me is to try to keep it fresh because we know it was a grueling schedule. <laughs> we saw how, how close the schedule is and me depending on, we had a rotation. Like if I DJ two games one day, that DJ DJ one game. So that means the next day I DJ one game, the DJ, that other DJ did two. So it was like two, one, two, one type of schedule going on, but it's still a lot especially when we had that time period where it was like 14 days straight of games and stuff so you gotta think i'm djing so many games and i was like i don't want to get too repetitive because if i'm going to get tired of certain things i'm like everybody else is going to get tired of it as well so that i think me and dj o as well, because he stayed there quite a, uh, a long time as well. We both started digging deeper into our crates of music and we would like text each other since the courts were right next to each other. So there was sometimes we could hear what the other is playing and there was like an overlapping game going on. 
and, we, and so we would text each other like, oh, we ain't heard this one in a while. Like, everybody, yeah, we, we're digging into crates at this part of the season because we, we just don't want to get <laughs> too repetitive and get everybody into it. But the reception was great with, from, like you said, players, refs, staff working there. I think music just has that power to give people different moods and, and feelings and, you know, have some fun with it. Like even with the New York Liberty, you know, uh, the season didn't go as expected with the Liberty. So their final game of the season when I was out there warming up, Jasmine Jones was like, she just want to hear all ratchet twerk music. She's like, look here, like, you know, it's, it's the last, it's our last game. We know we about to, you know, leave, leave the wobble. She just wants to turn up and just leave on a fun note. So I played all ratchet twerk music because that's what she wanted. So <laughs> That's the high note we should all try to leave on, to be honest. Like at any point, any room exit, like at any point in time, like that should yeah, be on the table. Right, right. Talk it out. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things that I, when you were talking about being able to kind of hear between is that that folks were playing basketball on sound stages last summer. And I don't think that enough folks talked about like the like the way that those spaces were kind of set up, you know, um, you know, because they had to be, they were kind of like, everything was kind of makeshift, but the, this idea of being able to kind of hear across or hear different yeah. spaces, I think is so interesting. And now we're in this completely different moment and coming back to these arenas, um, this season. And so, you know, everything still sounds a lot different than it did, you know, before last March. Um, how have you adapted to being back, um, as, as fans slowly kind of trickle in across, across sports? You know, I know it's not, not quite the same, but I think that there's a way that that getting back to arenas and getting out of the bubble and wobble will be a moment of trying to recalibrate. Like, how are you thinking through through these transitions? Um, with me, when it came to transitioning to this current NBA season, I think with me being in a wobble, basically, I feel like it's, it's the same thing. Like, I DJ for three months straight without any fans. So I, I don't think it. Um, I had that much of an issue as compared to, you know, maybe DJs and other teams that didn't do either the women's bubble or the men's bubble for them to adjust. So me, it's like, oh, okay, it's basically, I'm like in a bubble again, there's no fans, so got to cater to that. I'm, I'm just ready for all of that. I'm ready to, you know, for our host to be back in and 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 all of that, just, just have that feeling, man. It's missed, it's definitely missed. <laughs> The optimist in me and us, I think, has, has thought about the past few months as like the past, whatever, year and a half now, not months. It's like, what is what is time anymore? But this weird moment that we're living through, still trying to navigate, trying to be present for, but also not get too down about all that right. it has sort of taken taken from us in certain moments of like coming into an arena off of that next season, right? You you would in an, in quote unquote normal circumstances, right? Be building off of that momentum. And it's like the screeching halt, like completely redesigning what that looks like. But I think that there's also, which you've alluded to, right? There's these opportunities or new moments that have opened up precisely because circumstances have changed and we've just had to sort of reinvent what what a season looks like right what a dj experience looks like how you how you curate become an architect of of sound without the fans right and it's you know i i hear you would like not be able to sing along to some of those songs that are just not it's not the same if you don't have the whole crowd there or everybody clapping right <laughs> if the song that everybody's clapping to if the clapping's not happening to when you pipe it in it's not this right like i haven't played the one thing i haven't played is everybody clap your hands i'm like who's gonna clap <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna clap 
Um, so I do look forward, we all look forward to clapping together again. But I, I think that, you know, it's encouraging to hear about this sort of this, this blending that's happening, Courtney's talking about, like being on, on stages differently, the memories that are sort of created that I think once we get to the other side of this, we'll have a moment to sort of look back on and cool new, new relationships, um, new ways of imagining music as part of these experiences and the teams will have evolved out of this. So that's the optimist in me <laughs> that, that yeah. sees this as we get to live through all of this together and what a wild yeah. moment it is and, and to keep moving, right? To keep having sports and music be a part of, of that, even if it has to be reimagined so that we can still still see it still, you know, that's, we can socially distance from home and watch these, watch these games, right? And, and that's something yeah. that gives, gives fans um, an outlet for sure. We've talked about obviously the relationship between the fans, relationship between players, but also sort of thinking about C-suites, thinking about uh, the larger buildup makeup of these spaces. Mm -hmm. Music, like sports, heavily male-dominated, historically male-dominated spaces. You, as I understand it, are the first um, woman DJ for the Washington Wizards. You're one of only four women DJs um, in arena DJs for the NBA. I meant, you know, shout out to DJ Shauna, Milwaukee Ducks, uh, DJ Poison Ivy of the Dallas Mavericks, um, and DJ Emily Thornhill, DJ Thornstriker uh, for the Detroit Pistons. But, it, you know, it's it, this is the question that is I struggle with, we struggle with of like hating to ask it, but also feeling that it's still, it's important, right? It's important to to recognize that these spaces are still heavily male dominated. And then that at the ways in which that that does or does not impact sort of day to day. So is that something that you feel like you you have or have not had to navigate? That's something that you've conf confronted working in both music and sporting spaces. I think, yeah, you could say, cause especially in an era I came up in that, I really didn't have many female DJs to look up to. Like, they, we could say DJ Spinderella, <laughs> you know, uh, you could say Coco Chanel, Jazzy Joyce. It was just a handful. But I'm happy now in this era that, that we're in now, these current times, that we could name several female DJs in different spaces in mainstream music, in sports and I see how it's continuing to grow and you know shout out to all the female DJs working in the NBA um I mentioned this the other day like it's like we're a family and we embrace when we see somebody else shout out to to everybody that's doing it and I think it's going to continue to grow because you know women we we do things better <laughs> Yeah, I think it just uh, the importance too of thinking back to you know thirteen year old DJ Heat right of these of having having examples having models un understanding that things are available to us right and whatever our goals are to sort of have that be a possibility right can really change the trajectory of how you you live your life of like oh this doesn't have to be a hobby or oh I can succeed in these spaces and how how truly important important right. that is um, exactly. yeah so it's we love to see it we love to support it absolutely. <laughs> So as if your DJ resume was not impressive enough, you've also released your own music. Um, most recently, your single, City Girl. Congratulations on the release of that track. We'd love Thank to know you. a bit more about the process of making your own music, if there are other things that we'll be dropping that we should be on the lookout for. Um, we've totally enjoyed <laughs> enjoyed that track. City Girl, I dropped that um, in November 2019, of course pandemic came along a few months later so it kind of halted all the ideas and promo because 
I think it, once the pandemic started, I think the whole music industry at a whole as a whole didn't know really how to handle things. But as we see, they back full steam ahead. They like, oh, we gonna keep, we gonna keep going, you know, we keep going like that. Um, so the process with that, it, it came about because I realized there was a certain sound of music that I really like, but I wasn't hearing it come from DC artists and not in a way that I like it. Cause you know me as a DJ, I'm like, okay, it needs to fit this. So it was, it was a twerk song. <laughs> uh, so shout out to Stymie and believe it or not, Stymie, he's actually an employee at Capital One Arena as well. So he's a rapper. He, he works there at, at Capital One too. Uh, they love him there at, 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 at Capital One. So he came with this idea and I got a female rapper, Reese P on it and great reception. We're pushing it. I really wish I could have continued to go forward with that. We're looking forward to it for sure, for sure. Thank you, thank you. So every episode we ask our guests to step up to bat. We're gonna transition sports right now and into the shoes of a baseball player for this next question. So okay. imagine, you know, you're going up um, to bat uh, what is the walk-up song that you would get you hype, you know, coming out of the dugout? Um, we can think about it even as that, like coming out, if you're being announced, like before tip off, like just give us the energy, like what sounds like you getting ready for like athletic greatness? The, the first thing that comes to my mind and shout out to our host, Britt Waters. She's going to see this and call me a barb when I say this song, probably Nicki Minaj moment for life. Cause this is something about that track, how it just escalates and gets you, and it just defines like, yeah, like I'm doing this. Like, no, I'm not lucky, I'm blessed. Yes, clap for the heavyweight champ, me. Yeah, Britt's gonna see this and really call me a <laughs> <laughs> there's no judgment. But you know, it's like a motivational, that's like a genre of like sports songs though, are like the songs that are like motivational, but have that build up energy that like- yeah. Oh, definitely. Precipice, you know, of like performance of greatness. So I think it's a good, it's a strong yeah. choice. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, it does that that escalation that 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 build up is is is, is key. That's definite. <laughs> For people listening, there's an entire physical like reaction that you're having. Like it's like I just you know we might have to we got to put the video on so people can get the full <laughs> the right. full effect the full vibes that you're giving us. Yeah, people that know me, y'all probably imagine they, people know that I dance around and move around all the time when I'm DJing, so they could probably see it as I'm, <laughs> in their head, as I'm saying it. Like, yeah, they like, yeah, knowing heat, she's like moving around right now while I was about to do it. It's important. You got to be able to imagine yourself like getting in the zone. To yeah, I was thinking of, like you said, I was imagining stepping up to the plate and like with, with, with the bat. Yeah, like knocking it out. Let's go. Another role we're going to ask you to step into is as like creative director. So imagine like if there is a particular athlete, a team, you know, kind of doing a collaborative process with an artist or a band, what would you love to see come together? Um, whether it's something that's promotional, whether it's a song, whether it's a brand, a t-shirt, like what, what would kind of feel like, um, and it doesn't have to be with either, you know, it doesn't have to be with the, with the mystics or the wizards, but like, it could be any kind of band artist, team, athlete, collabo? Mm. That's a good one. I would say, so Little John comes to mind 
because you know with his with his energy on tracks but i gotta go back all right i gotta i gotta go by og from dc dj cool and creating a super hype track and i know you say it didn't have to be dc but i'm so dc i just can't help it i'm here for uh, it i'm here for just, it just dj cool's voice and energy and how he is with music and even with him still doing it today that i know that he could knock out something like i'm gonna have to hit him up it's like yo we gotta do something like <laughs> you got me thinking of actually making it happen just just, just something for specific for our team i'm i'm going to reach out to him you done made this happen let's make it happen, let's make it happen. <laughs> like you just need a little you know we just want to be on the liner note like because <laughs> yeah, i'm thinking like has it been like has, has he done anything with our teams before it's gotta happen it's gotta it's gotta happen now <laughs> I also see it as like an in arena pump video too. Like, you know, we need a full like in arena experience, like after the song comes out, like it might become like the official, official song, you know, like yeah. I see some potential. You're the yeah. person, you're the person that is the, is the connective glue that can make this happen. I'm gonna make it happen. This makes me so happy. I feel like it's the dream of this question. No, this question of really interesting collaborations, really interesting ideas. And part of it is just to, to sort of see how people are thinking through, right? This exchange of music and sport to dream up what, what would be possible if we had, you know, if access and everybody was going to say yes. But I think part of the larger dream is like, let's make some of these things happen because how cool, right? How cool to bring, bring together the legacy of these two things. So any way that we can help, <laughs> we can type, yeah. we can support. We are fully behind this. I'm here for it. This might be the, this is like the closest we've gotten to one that feels like tangible. Oh, oh, I'm so oh, excited. Oh, watch me, watch me work. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been incredible. We have gotten smarter. We have vibed out. We, we did a little dance. We appreciate you so much for joining us on Sounding Off. Thank y'all so much for having me, man. Y'all are amazing. Amazing women. Love it. I'm all about girl power. Love what y'all doing. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. DJ Heat is the official DJ for the WNBA's Washington Mystics, the NBA's Washington Wizards, a staple on Baltimore's 92QFM, and a hometown musical hero, bringing the sound of DC to listeners around the world. Uh, thanks so much for listening to us as well. And this edition of Sounding Off brought to you by The Sound of Victory. If you want more music and sport collisions, you can check us out at thesoundofvictory.org or on Instagram at thesoundofvictory. You can subscribe to Sounding Off where wherever you get your podcast. And as always, we want to hear from you. So please rate and review us.